What's up, everyone? Welcome to the He Said, She Said podcast, episode number 26. I know it's been a couple months, but we are back. Myself, Reality ah. Steve, and my co-host, Ashley Spivey. Ashley, how are you? Doing pretty great. How are you? Good. Uh, we got some things to go over before we get to our two callers today, Elise and Emily. Elise is in Idaho. Emily is in Utah. Two very different calls, um, but two very interesting ones. And I want to say something right off the bat. I don't know why it's taken me 26 episodes to finally do this, Ashley, but now I have a Microsoft Word document where I actually put our caller's name, their email, <laughs> their email address, their topic, and what episode it aired on. So I can always go back and now contact these people. I just, I don't know why I haven't done that. It just got too, you know, when I say, if people don't, it's basically when I, we tell people to contact us in a couple months to update us on what's going on. If they don't, I'll never remember who was on. No, I know. You're always like, I have to look back at my email (laughs) or you're like, Hey, do you remember this episode? (laughs) Yeah. So I have it now to where from starting on this episode, episode 26, moving forward, I will know what caller is on every episode, um, what name they used. If they didn't use their real name, I'll have their real name next to it and their email address and their topic. So I will know all. How about that? Ooh, so organized. I know. Um, 2020 new Steve. Yeah. And on today's podcast, we get another edition of Learning Steve. Um, <laughs> what's the, uh, oh, what, what was it, Ashley? Because we're recording, no. we're recording this open after we are, did the calls. Um, I don't want to ruin the surprise for everyone. I remember, oh, I remember exactly what, <laughs> what you said. Oh, yeah, I remember this now. Yeah, I want people to scream in delight when you say it. Learning Steve is uh, in full effect uh, this week, and you're probably going to get a kick out of it. I still can't believe I said that, but all right, <laughs> all right. A couple things to catch up on here. Number one. Ashley, in January, you had a crazy um, travel schedule. You went on your book cruise, and then from there you had to go to Sun Valley with Burley. And then from Sun Valley, you had to go to Miami for, was it a wedding? Friend's wedding? It was my friend's 40th birthday. Oh, birthday. Okay. Yeah. So first off, how was the book cruise? Because I saw you promoting that on Instagram. And then how was it? So it was really fun. I have to admit, like, I didn't know how it was going to go because I didn't really know the company I was doing it for. I didn't really know the authors. I mean, I'd read their books, but I didn't know them personally. And I was also bringing my mom who didn't know anyone. So there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong. And also this is right when coronavirus was kind of happening. And that cruise ship in Italy had been kind of quarantined. Yeah. So we were a little worried. Um, my mom and I also get horrible motion sickness. So <laughs> we were terrified that things were going to go really, really poorly on this cruise. But it was so fun. Um, it was really fun to just hang with people who loved books. The authors were amazing. My mom even like, did tequila shots at one bar in Mexico and got flipped upside down by the person who was like giving people tequila shots. It was like one of the most delightful moments in my life. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was really fun. We didn't get sick. It was just 
a good time had by all. I was going to say, you didn't get sick. Did you take Dramamine? No, we actually put these patches on behind our ears. They're medicated patches. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. No. Um, I've never yeah. been on a cruise in my life, so there you go. Wow. Yeah. Well, well when yeah. coronavirus is gone, you got to <laughs> go on one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you also got to remember that um, I'm also a guy that's never been out of the country. So, uh, My mom had never been out of the country. This was her first time, too. Really? Oh, good. I don't feel yeah. as bad now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I don't feel. So then, then you went to Sun Valley. How was that? Love Sun Valley. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And then Miami for the birthday. Yes. Um, during, I can't remember at what point this happened, but okay. I think it was after, I think it was, my, I think it was after you got back from all this stuff. I think it had to mm-hmm. have been, you put on your Instagram story, uh, <laughs> that basically Steve's, um, beauty, oh, yeah. <laughs> ru- Steve's beauty routine, basically. Yes. So every time I post a picture of Steve, my Steve, yeah, people will comment on how great his skin looks, which is really frustrating because I probably spend like a hundred times more effort on my skin than Steve does. Don't get me wrong. He has like a very specific routine that he does on his skin. So I was supposed to do a whole story of everything he uses, which I might remind him to do tonight. But the one thing I finally like did get him to show was his eye patches, mm-hmm. which are a very important part of his routine. He uses two different ones. He uses one at night and he uses one in the morning. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I saw that and I don't know if people recognize this. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't post a lot of pictures or videos of myself on Instagram, but I have horrible discoloration under my eyes i hate it and i wouldn't say my eyes are puffy or baggy it's just the discoloration under both of my eyes just bothers the crap out of me and it's not from lack of sleep i get plenty of sleep i drink plenty of water um it could be genetic Uh, i know my grandpa had it so but it's always bothered me and i've tried creams before i wouldn't say i've been the most diligent with the creams, I do it for like a week and I was like, oh, it's still the same color. And then I just quit. So, <laughs> but I've tried so many different ones and nothing has seemed to work. But I saw that and I texted you and I'm like, all right, I'm trying this. And so I've gotten, <laughs> I got both of the same ones that Steve had. Um, yeah. Although I've only been doing you it took at a night. before picture, I took right? A, I took a before picture. I'm going to, and I'm going to check back in a month and take another picture and see if the discoloration has changed at all. But I've only been doing it at night. I haven't been doing a morning one. I didn't realize he was doing one in the morning and one at night. So the ones you've been using right now are the nighttime ones. Oh, yeah. By the way, when we started recording this, I had them on my eyes. Well, <laughs> well before we hit record, but when I first called Ashley to yeah. do this, I had them on so she could see that I was using them. Um, it, make, it makes me so happy. <laughs> like when I got the text of you wearing them the first time, <laughs> I know. it just made my day. But my problem, and I told you, my my problem is, since I didn't have that eye gel routine at night, the first night I got it, I you know I put I keep, I'm keeping it in the refrigerator, 
And then, but the first night I got it, I forgot to wear them because I'm just not used to putting something (laughs) on my eyes at night. And then I, the second, the the two nights after that, I remembered. And then last night I forgot again. So I'm literally like two for four. And I I know I've got to be better. And tonight was, so three out of five because I remembered tonight. So. You should set an alarm on your phone. Oh, I could. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, But then eventually, like, you're going to get so used to it. You're going to create this, like, beauty routine for yourself that, like, you won't feel complete at night if you don't do it. Okay. I better get to that point. So the ones I'm using now are are correct. I'm using these at night. I should be using the Peter Roth ones in the morning? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See now, I'm, now I'm all off because now it's going to be I'm five days ahead on the other one, and the other one doesn't. Okay, Peter Roth, Peter Roth ones I have to start using tomorrow morning. Okay. So the ones you are using right now are the ones that are probably going to like brighten you up the most because the retinol is going to start exfoliating your skin in a way where it's going to start making that area brighter, like newer, brighter skin, and the other ones are going to reduce puffiness. Um, it's going to add moisture and hydration and also like decrease wrinkles. Well, one of the things that I did read about just eye discoloration, like how it happens and they, you know, it says the basics, you know, not sleeping enough, not eating well or whatever, uh, not drinking enough water, which I, all those are covered. However, one of the things that it said was you can get discoloration from constant computer use, which is my mm-hmm. job. So this could be something that maybe it's gotten bad because of my computer use and the fact that I'm in front of a computer for so many hours a day. Well, here's another thing. You know, we were talking earlier about you doing more sponsored things now that you have all these Instagram followers. You got to get on that blue light glasses train. What's blue light glasses? Okay, so... One of the products some Bachelor Nation people promote are these glasses you wear whenever you're on your phone or you're in front of your computer, and it reduces the amount of blue light that hits your eyes. Oh. Yeah, that's the thing we have to worry about now. Oh. I haven't seen... uh, Okay, now that you mention it, I can't remember what contestant pitched that, but now that you say that, I I think I remember seeing somebody promote that in their Instagram store. I can't remember who it was. Yeah, you need to do that. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, now I'm over 200,000 and this was all you're doing. You came to me in, you came to me in November and said, you really need to start putting your spoilers on Instagram. People are, you know, consuming content on Instagram now. And I'm like, but it's all on my site. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. These people. And so I was (laughs) like, okay, I'll do it for Peter's season. And so in November, when you told me this, I had 47,000 Instagram followers. And all I had ever done is post random pictures of myself or my niece and nephew. And I maybe did about eight pictures a year. I averaged about eight to ten pictures in a calendar year uh, on Instagram. I just wasn't a big Instagram user. Now, as anyone who's followed me on Instagram knows, I do a lot. Everything I post when my, when my column is up, when my podcast is up, uh, I link to it. I link to my column. And then obviously I do spoilers on there. I'll screenshot my tweets and put that as my Instagram story. So you're not missing it if you're only following me on Twitter. But now I'm over 200,000. And the other thing that I do in my feed is obviously give the spoilers to the next episode of what's going to be happening. 
and it just would grow every week. And I'm just like, this is crazy. These people already know, like what I'm posting on my Instagram is already on my site and has been since the beginning of the season. Yet it was amazing how many, how much it grew. I, I tripled my Instagram followers and it's not slowing down anytime soon, you know? Um, yeah. Crazy. Unbelievable. <laughs> Hey, and if, it, and if it gets me a deal on a blue light glasses, then, <laughs> then it's all worth it, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I gotta say, I want more uh, Luca content, though. <laughs> yeah, that was, got- um, and you know what? That's the thing. I, I I've like given up since that day. I I know I have to be more persistent with her, but I've basically given up since that day of trying the treats. People, you know, were giving their suggestions of put the treat all the way up the ramp. And I'm like, I can't because the ramp is such a, at a high angle, they just slide off. Um, but I, I, I did do one thing where I put the ramp on the ground, just flat because when I brought the ramp home, I just set it up and expected her to run up the ramp and she just didn't. So yeah. I put it on the ground flat. I put a treat at one end and she would walk across the ramp. Then I'd walk to the other end, put a treat. She just kept walking back and forth and eating treats. And I'm like, okay, so she's used to this ramp. Now she feels it under her paws. She gets it. Put it in my room. Same thing. Didn't it didn't change anything. So I don't know what it is because she has no problem jumping onto a a four foot high bed or however much however high it is and maybe it's three feet. I was like this. This helps you, Luca. Like it makes it things so much easier for you. Why do you want to jump on and off the bed and land on your joints like that when this thing just helps you get up and down from it? You know, I don't. I don't understand why she doesn't want to use it. I I have to grab her by the collar. If I grab her by the collar and walk her all the way to the base of the of the ramp and I get her to the base of the ramp holding her collar, then she'll go up it. But if I'm not doing that, forget it. She wants to jump on the bed. So I don't get I don't understand. I don't get it. Anyway. She's playing you. I know. She just wants the treats. Yeah, she's just doing it for treats. Um crazy well anyway that's enough uh, of our intro here uh let's get started first caller uh we got two calls like i said elise in idaho emily is in utah elise is first up and um this is a call where i basically take the day off and <laughs> let ashley <laughs> deal with this because this is an infertility uh call uh elise has been having major infertility issues and um talks about her i <laughs> i almost said iud no, it's mm-hmm. not an IUD. It's an I, no. I, yeah, it's an IUI. 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 Um, and, oh, yeah, this is this is the call where you'll hear, where you'll hear Learning Steve. Yeah. In, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the little that I speak in this phone call, you'll get it's Learning worth Steve. It. Yeah. And then, um, and then after her will be Emily in Utah talking about how her sister is basically scamming uh, their grandmother. So uh, let's get going. Uh, first up with uh, caller number one on episode number 26. Okay, let's get to our caller. Her name is Elise. She is in Idaho. Elise, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? <clears throat> We're good. Good. Doing great. Good. So let's just so, jump right into uh, all this. I know you've got a, a story here. Um, so why don't you just go ahead and uh, we will listen attentively and then jump in when we need to. Okay. Sounds good. So Ashley, I know that you have been opening up about your infer- 
infertility journey and your miscarriage and all of that stuff. So I, um, that's kind of why I reached out to you guys. I've been going through my own infertility for this year. It'll be five years. Um, and in the beginning I was, I honestly, I had, I genuinely thought that there was no way that I would have infertility issues. Um, you know, you go to the sex ed classes in school and I just thought that you have sex one time and without protection and you get pregnant so that I just had all the confidence in the world that I would not be one of those people who had infertility issues. And even, um, it was about 72 days that I had not had a period. And I, my sis, one of my sisters told me like, oh, you're probably pregnant. And I was like, no, I took a pregnancy test. And she was like, no, you are. You should go get checked. Have them do a blood test. You're probably pregnant. And then I went and got checked, did like a checkup, all that stuff. And the doctor said that I, she thought I might have PCOS. And so even then I was so sure that I, and she said that you could have troubles uh, conceiving, but even then I was so sure that I like, nope, that's not me. So I had told, like, a few people, like, yeah, I might have PCOS, but I'm like, they said you could have trouble conceiving, but that just, like, I, I don't think I will. Um, She put me on metformin and told me that, like, are you guys ready to have a baby? My husband and I had been married for two years, and I wasn't, we weren't necessarily trying or anything, but I was like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, if we were to have a baby, that's fine. I just want to get regular and all that stuff. So she put me on metformin uh, for three months and nothing really changed. And so then she put me on Clomid and uh, she was like, well, this is to kind of help you have a baby. And by that time I was a little bit worried. And so I did Clomid for a while and all of these medications were totally messing with my hormones. I was all over the place. Um, then two, I think it was 2017, we, it was two years later, so we decided to do um, IUIs, and we did two unmedicated IUIs, and those didn't work, and then I went to a different OBGYN, and that doctor said he didn't think I had PCOS at all, but there was something off with my hormone levels, but he wasn't sure. And so then my husband got checked around that time and he had some issues with his sperm, I guess. And um, he had really good count, but his uh, there was some clumping is what they said. So his motility wasn't good. And then around, I think, 2018, we finally decided to go to a fertility doctor and we did, um, I think we did six more IUIs and within 2018 2019 during that time and never gotten one pregnancy test uh, or one positive pregnancy test ever and so and I've been pretty um closed off with telling people I don't want I've been very very private I kind of grew up that that's how we were kind of taught to not tell your personal information to people so it's been kind of a struggle to, I've had to hear lots of ignorant comments and lots of, um, lots of people asking, when are you going to start your family? When are you? And then I just make up some excuse. So 
Um, Ashley, I saw your your Twitter and where you're showing your where you're doing your shot, and so it kind of just inspired me to I I guess be a little bit more open with my journey since it's been almost five years now. Is there someone like do you talk to any of your close friends about it? Um, I do. I have one of my I have three sisters, and one of I've talked to each one of them a little bit. Um, one of my sisters I'm really, really close to. So I've gone through spurts of telling her everything mm-hmm. to not telling her anything. And just, it's, I've found that it's hard. Like I would share with her, like, okay, I'm going to do an IUI. And then she'd be like, okay, how did that go? And then it was so like hard. And, like, it would make me cry. It'd be heartbreaking to be like, oh, yeah, it, it didn't take. So I I struggled with being able to be open with even her at times. Uh, no, I know that's hard. And I know it's hard when you feel like, I mean, you almost don't want to tell people, but you do want to talk about it because there's no one that really understands or gets it yeah uh what about how how is your husband throughout the whole process um he's he is great in the beginning I think I struggled with I and I think it was a lot of to do with the medications that I was taking I was a like hormonal mess I was depressed (laughs) I would cry easily I just over stupid things like someone could just say the word baby and I would like and they would say baby in front of me like you know (laughs) yeah and he would he didn't understand like well so yeah like that's gonna happen that's life and we have 17 nieces and nephews that we are like we always have every single one of them we are constantly with them do having them stay the night stuff like that and then I would be times where I'd be like yeah and they were trying to talk to me about their kids and he was like yeah that's our niece and nephew of course they're gonna but I felt like he didn't understand where I was like he didn't have the same emotions and and really he doesn't have to go through as much as me either so I think it was it was a little bit hard in the beginning now he understands more but I still think that there's that little bit of of disconnect a little bit he doesn't have the same emotions he wants a baby really bad and that want he wants it to be our own like he wants that really bad but it's like oh it didn't happen this month well we'll just keep trying you know to where I would be devastated that it didn't happen this month type of attitude so what how are you feeling in terms of I mean how far or how long are you kind of willing to do this? Well, I so it's kind of funny. This in um, I think it was in August we did our last IUI. It was our eighth IUI. They basically, I mean, they say after like six, if it doesn't happen, it's not going to happen. But we did two more because the first two we did unmedicated so we're like well maybe um and so after that I was kind of like I don't want to do I don't want to do anything I don't want to do IVF we don't have insurance that covers it and I'm not really 
willing to spend twenty thousand plus dollars on IVF for something that might not even take. Yeah. So I've kind of been at on that aspect a little bit like, ah, I don't know. And then right after our last IUI, we had our doctor talk about a study um, where they a study for IVF that they are thinking about doing for people. And they, uh, he said that he would contact us in January, January passed. And I was like, well, or no, he said it would be at the very latest, like December is when he would contact us. And in December and January passed, we didn't hear anything. So I'm like, okay, well, IVF's off the table. I'm not like, it was going to be a little bit cheaper. And I was like, well, I'm, I just, you know, I'm, I want to live my life now. I don't want to, because infertility, it feels like it consumes you, especially when you're doing all the treatments. You have to pee on sticks constantly for ovulation, just all of those things. It just is so many things that you have to do every single day that it consumes you. And I was just kind of like, I'm just done. And then just uh, actually last week, my doctor called about the study and uh, asked us to do a screening to see if we will, if we would qualify to do the IVF and it actually would all be free. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And if that, if that doesn't work out, then I think that's just kind of our answer. I, I don't know that I would keep going with this because that's hard. It's a lot. Yeah. Especially when you've been going through it for five years. I mean, I, I just can't even imagine like I, I felt like this cycle of IUI was stressful. I really can't yeah. imagine doing it eight times. Like you're constantly taking medication or a shot or mm-hmm. putting yeah. inside your vagina. Or- <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> and, and getting your blood drawn constantly and having yeah. people like ask about it all the time and like you don't want to like jinx yourself or talk about her I don't it's- yeah and then you have the doctor I always had doctors who were so positive like oh I think this is gonna be it and you know all and so your hopes would get up or my hopes would get up every single time and I'd be so hopeful and then every month would be crushed when it wasn't you know and I've tried everything. I've done all natural stuff. I've done teas. I've done powder stuff that I should drink and water and all. Like I've tried everything. I've done like fertility massage things that, and it's like nothing has worked. So it it just consumes you, and it's it's a lot. And then you have to deal with the ignorant comments, and I think that's kind of why I decided not to be super open with it I I have my in-laws my husband's family who they are they're kind of those people who are everything sunshine and roses and even if there's something bad they try to find something good about it and when I am sad or upset I don't want (laughs) I sometimes don't want that like no this isn't there's nothing good about this right now and so I think that attitude is the worst. (laughs) Yes, I do. Honestly, like I do too. And I've been trying to be like, okay, I can see good. Like I've lived with them a lot, like enough time now that I can be like, okay, I can see that they, there is some good to it. 
but there there's sometimes where bad things are just bad things like sometimes you just have bad days and you you know that's okay too and they don't allow that and I did uh in the beginning I kind of confided in my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law that I might have PCOS and that it could I could have trouble with fertility but I think I'm fine and then I I think I ended up uh because my mother-in-law had asked me one time, like, so how's that going? And I think I cried to her, and I was like, yeah, it's not going, like, we are struggling. And I asked her not to tell anyone, um, but I'm pretty sure she did, because I'll get comments from her and my uh, sister-in-law, and they're always just, like, just ignorant comments. And that's really hard to deal with, too. And then, and then I try to, like, okay... I know that they're making these ignorant comments with my sister-in-law, especially I, I haven't talked to her like specifically that I've, they don't know all the fertility treatments that I've done at all. They don't know that I've done anything. So I try to, I like that they don't know. So when they make those ignorant comments that I'm not like, Oh, I hate you right now. I can be like, Oh, it's just, they don't know what's going on. So I can, I can just like push it away. You know, like, oh, well, but they, they always want to tell me about, oh my gosh, this person just had a baby or this person's pregnant. And it's always people I have no idea who it is. And they'll go on and on about like the, yeah, their birth story is beautiful. And, you know, they go on and on. And I just, I'm like, why are you telling, like, you know that, I mean, it's been five years that I told you I might have issues and I haven't had a kid since then. So you kind of know that I'm struggling. So why would you tell me all of this stuff? And then even my mother-in-law's asked me to plan baby showers. Um, oh no. Yeah. And so it just is like, it's been really hard to like open up to them. And it, and me and my husband have talked about it. Like, should I tell them? Like maybe I, we've both gone back and forth. Like, all right, we're just going to tell them. And then he'll be like, no, they're, I don't think it's a good idea. And then I'll be like, we just need to tell him and he'll, or, you know, vice versa. One of us will say it and we'll, the other one will be like, no, I don't think it's a good idea for whatever reason. So it's been hard because I haven't been super open with them, but I also know that they're going to continue doing the exact things that they are doing, that yeah. it makes it hard to want to talk to them about it. Yeah. <laughs> lady I I, mean, <laughs> I can yeah. only imagine how hard it is to deal yeah. with that whole situation I guess yeah. one thing I'm wondering is do you have like is there anything you want to do like say that treatment is gonna happen but like do you have any like plans for yourself like things that like you want to do that you've never gotten to do just because you've kind of been on this trajectory for so long? Yeah, I have kind of, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, if it doesn't happen, I would, I would like to travel. Yeah. My, my husband's a little bit more like, it will happen. It will happen. Like it, there's no way that it won't. Cause he's that sunshine and roses type of guy too, a little bit. <laughs> And so I'm like, yeah, but some people, they really legitimately can't. And then he'll say, well, we could adopt. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's more, that can be more than IVF. And so 
I would rather, I don't know, it, it's hard. Part of me would love to adopt, but it is a lot of money. And then I'm like, is that financially responsible to go into debt to have a child? Like, it just doesn't seem responsible to me. Yeah. And I would, I would love to be a stay-at-home mom, at least for the first couple years. And so if I have to go into debt for that, that's, that's not possible. So I don't know. There's... I would love to travel. I'm kind of at a point like if it doesn't happen within another five years, I guess, then I just, I, at that point, I'm, I'm done. I mean, I'm already at that point. Like I don't want to time anything. It's gotten to the point where it's not fun. It's not sexy. It's not, you know, there's all of those things. that's awkward. Sometimes there's, there's so many just horrible situations with this that, I just want to be able to live our, our lives. I don't want to be consumed with it anymore. I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Steve? (laughs) (laughs) This one's obviously a tough one for me because I just don't know enough. There were terms being used that I have no idea what you're talking about. So (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to pretend like I do. Um, But I guess for your own happiness, like you said, this has been going on five years. At some point, you do probably have to put an an end date on when we're going to continue to or when we're going to stop doing this because it's mm-hmm. taking a toll on me, whatever, mentally, physically, emotionally. It's just wearing you down. Financially. Yes. It's wearing exactly. you down. Like this is – you have to put an end date, and it sounds like your husband, as great as a cheerleader as he seems to be, at some point maybe he needs a reality check of you know it's not all sunshines and rainbows like you say um and there is a chance that this doesn't happen and you have to we have to make you know uh, a plan b you know what's our next course of action um are you into are you up for adopting or no or did i miss that i would be absolutely if it just didn't cost so much i think that's the biggest issue is the cost and I just feel like financially, uh, it's not responsible for us to go into debt when we're having, a, I mean, kids are expensive. Yeah. So it just yeah. responsible to go into debt for that, you know? So Yeah, I think I read a study that like, by the time the kid turns 18, you've paid $150,000 yeah. for everything yeah. that they need. So it's like... Yeah, I can believe it. I, yeah, I, and it's been hard because I've had two of my sister-in-laws have had three or four kids in the time that I was trying. And every time they didn't even, they're like, oh, I didn't even want this to happen. And it's so hard because it's like, they're saying this to my face and I'm like, cool. And then I had one sister-in-law say like, yeah, she told me first out of everybody and it was right after I found out that I had a failed IUI. So I just found out that morning. And then earlier that day, she calls me and tells me she's pregnant. And that her husband was like, well, can we take the plan B pill? Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, and I was no. like, cool, cool. This is, this is awesome that you're telling me this today. And so I've had that. I, and now I have one of my sisters that I'm so close to and it she is one of my best friends and 
she has two beautiful kids and I love them to death. I love all my nieces and nephews, but she told she's in the process of uh, adopting right now. And even that I like have found myself like getting jealous with and being like, Oh well, you have the money to, to adopt and I can't even afford IVF. And, and it's like these ugly thoughts that you have never ever thought that you would ever have. And like, just oh it's just the worst I remember in the beginning of this process I was like I will never be that person who doesn't go to a baby shower I will never be that person who is sad to hear someone else gets pregnant I will never be that person and then after like I think three years I started crying every time I heard someone was pregnant (laughs) so it just has been I don't know it just the emotions of all of this is is draining and exhausting well, I think all of that is human and understandable, and I hope you're not too hard on yourself about any of that because I think that you're handling it with a lot more grace than I would. So, <sighs> well, thank you. I've gone through so so many stages. I feel like right now I'm in one of the good stages <laughs> to where I think if this would have been a couple months ago, I probably couldn't have even talked to you guys without bawling through all of it so there's just there really is just so many stages through this and and it's hard too because we are we're very religious and we've had a lot of people be like well just give it to God and it will happen or well if you if you have enough faith it'll happen and even that's like oh that's that doesn't mean like God doesn't just grant and you know for me I don't feel like just because you have faith that doesn't mean you're gonna I don't know, just it's all those ignorant comments that can be so hard to deal with. Yeah, yeah I wish there was a guide for like, yeah. people, like the things to say, because <laughs> no, I yeah. feel like what people end up saying is just like so much worse than if they just said something that was like realistic and fact based. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I know that you are being super open about it have you had to deal with any like ignorant comments or advice or like well-meaning things that have just really like made you sad or frustrated you at all yes all the time and I mean even I think sometimes um I felt like oh god why did I tell people because (laughs) it's all people talk to me about and then I'm just like hey I'm a human I'd like to talk about like TV shows or <laughs> literally yes. anything else. But yes. yes. Um, just because it's already taking up a lot of like rent in my brain that sometimes mm-hmm. whenever I talk to other people, I just, I would like to talk about anything else. But I get that like, I, I mean, it just makes people uncomfortable. And like, I, I don't know if that's because we don't talk about it enough or if it's because sex ed isn't really like drilling it into people when we're younger that you know it's it, mm-hmm. it's gonna be hard to get pregnant like I feel like people they scare us so much in high school because they don't want us to get pregnant when we're young but they're yeah. almost not being realistic about what it's really going to be like for yeah. a majority of people because um I mean this is even like a statistic that my Steve was surprised to learn is it's something like 5% of people get pregnant just like naturally. 
like just from having sex. And oh, then wow. I think um, the IUI, I want to say like the rates were like 10 to 20%. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. like, that's not even great. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, I, yeah, I just think that hopefully, that's what I always try to tell myself is that hopefully if I'm like being open and honest about it enough, like it, it makes it so we're like, if you don't want to ever talk about it, you don't have to. And like, I hope you don't ever feel like you have to be open about it because I don't think there's, like, a right way to do it. It sucks both ways. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to... Sometimes I'm, like, it's so hard to pretend. Like, oh, oh, I'm just, you know, we're just wanting to be married. And that's why, you know, that's, like, my normal response. Like, oh, we're still just being newlyweds, even though it's been almost eight, seven years, something like that, (laughs) that we've been married. Like, and it's... That's sometimes hard and sometimes I wish I, but I just don't want all the questions. I don't, and sometimes I am emotional about it and I don't want to be asked about it. And I'm an emotional person anyways. Like I could cry at the drop of a hat, honestly. And so if I'm like trying to put on a brave face that day, I don't want someone to be like, how are you? And that tone, you know, (laughs) like that's how people do it. And then just start crying because I know that that will happen to me. So And it's like, I don't want to be pitied either. I don't want that to define me. So I'd rather pretend that everything is fine. Yeah. But it's, but then at the same time, I'm hurting and then I get all of these really dumb comments and these, but I don't know if it would change either way. You know, I don't know. It's hard. Well, I'm here if you ever want to talk about it. (laughs) That means a lot. And, Seriously, like I, I think you are extremely strong for going through this whole process and even being willing to come on here today and talk to us about it. Um, like I said, like I'm here if you ever need anything, um, whether it's to talk about that, whether it's like, yeah, just give me a bunch of shows so I don't think about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whatever. Yes, I don't have Facebook. I know you do your like book club on Facebook, but I might have to like just ask you for books because I that's I'm a big book person. So I'll have to start like, okay, give me a book to read now. (laughs) I will give you all the list. Okay. (laughs) Well, Elise, I know this is like I Ashley said, it's probably not easy talking about this, but I'm glad you did. And if if Ashley's Instagram stories are or what led you to talk about it, then they're working. Um, yeah. So um, I appreciate you coming on and and sharing this, and obviously be in touch with Ashley. Um, hit her up on Instagram, and I'm sure she will, yeah. you know, help you out with this. Going through. Yeah. It. Keep us I, updated about the study. Yes. Yeah, I will. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, I'm hoping that I get past the screening and that it'll all work out good. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Elise. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, guys. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Um, Thank you to Elise for that. As you could tell, over that a little over 25 minutes, I didn't participate much. (laughs) I don't have much to (laughs) (laughs) – I didn't have much to offer in that. And, and you know, I've got a couple questions because I just don't know enough about it. And 
I saw what you posted on your story. It was over the weekend, right? The IUI. Was it over the weekend or was it last week or when was it? It was, yeah, it was Thursday and then we did the IUI on Friday. And that was your first one? Yes. What is the difference? Okay, first off, you need to tell me what IUI is. Is that your, uh, Steve's sperm is being injected into you? Yes. But so there are two different types of IUI. And so I did a natural IUI. So the reason why I did a natural IUI is because I was traveling a lot during February. And so I kind of missed because I just, you know, I just had a surgery basically where I had this mass in my uterus, which is why I couldn't get pregnant or that's why they think I couldn't get pregnant. And um, after that was removed, I went and traveled And so my doctor was like, when you get back, we can try an IUI, but you've kind of missed the window to take the medication, but let's see what happens. And then so instead of taking medicine to make my ovaries produce a bunch of eggs, you know, just to see which one would be like mature enough or if there would be multiple, um, I actually did produce a pretty big size follicle or mature enough follicle or whatever um, when I went in. So then they were like, all right, you know, take the trigger shot. We'll do it. We'll do the IUI on Friday. So then Steve gave a sperm sample and then they just put the sperm like right where it needs to go. (laughs) Okay. So what's the difference between IUI and artificial insemination? Like IVF? Well, okay, then what's the difference between artificial insemination and IVF? Is that the same thing? Or which is the one that's made outside in a dish and then they shoot it into you? We're both that's IVF. Okay. Yeah. So that's where they take your eggs and his sperm and put it in a dish and whatever, harvest it or whatever, and then they put it in you? <laughs> Basically. Okay. <laughs> I, knew th- I knew there was one that was done outside and then it's put in. This one is just his on the outside and shot into you, right? Yeah. Like, like when you showed the video of you taking the shot, that was his sperm? Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> why would I be putting Wait, I was like, wait a second, but why would you be putting it in your belly? stomach? Yeah, okay, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, I didn't think before I said that. <laughs> um, yeah. No. no. <laughs> wow. Well, Steve yeah, sperm didn't no, go that, into your stomach. <laughs> no, that would be useless. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> oh boy. <sighs> so okay, so what was the uh, what was the shot? that we saw on your story? Yeah, that's called a trigger shot. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you just have to kind of time that up with when you're going to do your IUI. They usually say, like, to do it within 36 hours. Oh, so that that came the day before? And then the next day was, okay. And that was when the sperm was actually put inside you, not in your stomach. Got it. Not in my stomach. (laughs) And it, I mean, it's so crazy too because it it literally took like fifteen seconds for them to do 
the procedure. It's just like, puts it in there. But you were doing the trigger shot on yourself, right? Yes. Yes. I did the trigger shot on myself. And then what happens with the IUI is that Steve Steve Sample is washed. Um, I'm I'm not even sure like what that means or like why they did that. Um, and he had a pretty great sample and then they attach, or I guess they like put it in a catheter and then put the catheter inside of me and then have the sperm go through that. And how long after the IUI are you supposed to like, no. Yay or nay? Um, if it took or whatever. So I will take a pregnancy test. I'll take a blood pregnancy test on March 6th. Oh, okay. So next yeah. next Friday. Yes. Or this upcoming Friday by the time this airs. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, all right. And then, like, she, how many did she say she's been through? She did eight. I cannot imagine. Is is IUI is IUI covered by insurance, or is it depending on your carrier? I mean, I think it's depending on your carrier. Hmm. Ours isn't completely covered, but it does cover like a lot of it. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, my heart goes out to her. That's. I can't imagine going through it. And not like really being able to talk to anyone about it, and, and eight times. I mean, eight oh, is geez. eight is a lot. Yeah, no, I definitely think so. Um, I mean, what <clears throat> if it doesn't? If it doesn't take, do they suggest you wait two or three months before doing it again, or you just do it again the next month? You can do it again the next month. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I think. You know, usually just in terms of like my friends or people I've known, they'll three to four and that's the max. And then they try IVF. But everyone's journey with that is different. And I think everyone's doctors are different. And obviously, I don't know her medical case. Like I know she has PCOS, but I don't know if there's a reason why her doctors like wanted to do it that many times or what. But. Yeah. Well, I think with all the technology now and how advanced we are in medicine, maybe at some point we can come up with something to where you can get pregnant by just shooting something into your stomach. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Just put sperm in your stomach. Yeah. Just shoot it right in yeah, there. Let it just squish Or you can just eat a pregnancy pill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just you know, there's like you can make the sperm into a into a gummy filled pill, you know? And just, <laughs> <laughs> stick it up there. No, I'm just saying take it orally. You don't have to stick it up there. Oh, okay. just, just swallow pills and like, yeah, I can get pregnant this way. Um <laughs> but no. Well, I mean, geez, like I said, this is a uh, stuff I don't know too much about, clearly. Um, <laughs> I love whenever we have these calls, though. 
And, Those are my favorite. Yeah, and we get and we get learning Steve on the on the mic. <laughs> we get. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just wasn't thinking when I said that. Clearly, I'm just wasn't like. Of course, you can't get pregnant shooting something into your stomach, you dumbass. Like it was, it was a blonde moment for Steve. I, I know. Um. Anyway. Uh. Well, thanks to Elise uh, for that call. Um. And Ashley, of course, sharing that on your Instagram story is what caused her to call. So clearly what you're doing is reaching people. And as much as you probably, like you said, get bogged down by it and that's all people want to talk about, you know, it certainly helps people as well. For sure. Always happy to talk about it. So that'll do it for our first caller. Uh, Let's move on to caller number two. Her name is Emily and she is in Utah. Emily, thanks for joining us. Hi, Steve. Hi, Ashley. Thanks for having me on. Of course. No problem. Um, So tell us, Emily, what's your situation that you're going through right now? So um, around Thanksgiving time, my mom and my dad found out that my sister has been charging my grandma's credit cards for about a year and a half, and she's racked up $40,000 in debt. And we found out quite a bit about her, too. And I found out a little bit before Christmas and she was my best friend. So this has just been like a really big shock to me. And I kind of just, I'm not allowed to talk about it with anybody in my family because we like to keep things. Oh, sorry. I got an, okay. We keep things private. So we don't really talk about it. So I'd like to talk about it with you guys. Okay. So, did you have you confronted your sister on this? Yeah, I've I'm sort of talking to her. That's my problem because for a while I stopped talking to her and I was really angry. But she's like the person I'm closest with and she's going through a hard time too, so I'm caught between loyalty towards my grandma and wanting to help my sister because she's she I know she does feel awful, which you know, she should but I'm afraid that she's going to take her own life. And so Ooh. that's my that's my worry now because she feels so horrible and she thinks that she doesn't, that we'd all be better off without her. So I feel like if I stopped talking to her, I would, and something happened to her, I could never forgive myself. Um, okay. You're, did your sister say why she did this? Uh, so when I asked, I confronted her after I found out and I said, well, why would you do this? What, what did you spend it on? And she's like, I just, I did it one time and she's like, and I didn't get caught. So then I did it again. She's always had a money spending problem, but I thought it was always her own money that she was spending, but that's not the case. And she said she spent it on like on everything. She would hair, lashes, makeup, Um, I think she is an alcoholic, so she did spend it on alcohol quite a bit too. I think she says she didn't, but I think she's lying and she would order food delivery service every single day. So it was just, she just used it every day until it racked up to this amount. And when the statements would come into the mail, because my grandma, she's 87 years old. She doesn't use the internet. She doesn't like it. So she gets mailed statements. My sister would take them and doctor the billing statements and then give them to her. So this was a conscious decision that she made over and over again. And that's the part I can't get over. 
And how long did this go on for? The, um, I think about a year and a half, but it could, that's just what she's telling me. We're still like my aunt and uncle, they're looking into everything right now. They're doing their own little investigation because they want my grandma to press charges. But, um, so she's my dad's mom and she can tell that this is killing my dad. He's the single greatest person I know. He is so helpful and forgiving to my sister. And I think that it's doing her a disservice because she's not suffering any consequences at the moment. I mean, I I have so many questions. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm just rambling. One, that's a hell of a limit. Like, how did, how did even... How is your grandma's like credit limit? Um, so point where forty thousand dollars could get charged to a card. Yeah. yeah. So my my sister would make payments on the card because she had access to her checking account. My grandma had about sixty thousand dollars in savings okay. that my sister would use to pay it off. And my I don't know why my oh. grandma never noticed. That's the part that confuses me as well. How does your sister have access to that stuff? So my grand or my sister lived with my grandma for like four and a half years and she helped her buy Christmas presents every year. She would help her with gro- buy her groceries and my grandma just gave her access to everything because she's a very trusting person. And even like my aunt would tell her, you shouldn't be giving her the stuff just in case, but she did anyway. And so because my grandma trusted her with everything, she had everything to do this. And one, when she would max out a credit card, she would get another one out in her name. And then she would use that credit card to pay off the other one, apparently. I, I don't know all the details. I should ask somebody, but everybody's so uncomfortable talking about it. I mean, this is like a very common form of elder abuse. Oh, it definitely. Is so common. Um, and I mean, I have to say, like, if, if it was just her spending... It would be one thing, but almost like she has reached con mm-hmm. artist level yeah. by the other forms oh, of for sure. And I mean, I, I this sounds like so harsh, but I almost feel like the uncle is right that charges should be brought because this is like a very, very high level of. I don't know, deceit yeah. and just, yeah, but, I mean, it, it's it's a form of abuse. Oh, for sure. She took advantage of my grandma and manipulated her for not just, and if it was just one time, that would be something different. But this was for over a year, you know, and I do think that charges should be brought upon her because I don't think that she, I think she would do it again. She has a serious problem. And if some, if, and I don't know if, ev- like my mom's side of the family, not everybody knows. And that scares me because she could do it to one of them too. And that's why I think charges should be brought. Well, how did she go about, I know one of the things that you said was she started doctoring the statements. I'm curious yeah. how in the world she did this. How do you doctor a statement to make it seem like, you know, your, I don't, your balance is 20000 but your monthly payment is 40 bucks? Like what? What is she? Yeah, I don't know what she did either. I would really like to look at those billing statements. That's just all. When I ask questions, that's all my parents will tell me. 
I mean, you um, probably could scan it. See very well. Yeah, <laughs> you could. So my grandma could probably, probably scan it. it. Mm-hmm. She, she has an act. She has access to a scanner at her work and a printer. And I just, I don't think I. I don't know how she did it, but it was very deceitful. When when did she get caught? When was this? When did this come to a head? She caught got caught a, like the week of Thanksgiving is when my parents found out. My okay. grandma called them and told them. Okay. And at that point, they didn't know the extent. The first number my parents heard was seventeen thousand dollars, and then every week they would get a call, and it would the number would be higher and higher. And the credit card company, they've I think that my uncle's gotten a lot of the debt taken off that my grandma doesn't have to pay it. But in order to not have to pay anything, she would have to press charges. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and that's just, that was going to be my next question was like, is your grandma in any sort of like financial trouble or like what is going on with that? Um, so she's able to make payments. So it's not necessarily she's in tr- trouble right now, but she's going to have to pay it all back eventually if she, if she doesn't press charges is what I've heard. And my sister is supposed to be paying her back a thousand dollars a month, but my grandma's 87 years old and my my biggest fear is she's not going to get all of that money back before she dies. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, let's be honest. It's her, not at a thousand dollars a month. Yeah. She's not. But I, I, the thing that you brought up that's also concerning is you're saying now that your sister has suicidal thoughts because she just feels yeah. like she screwed up so much. So that's why I contacted you um, yesterday. So my grandma also recently she accidentally hit a pedestrian. And the pedestrian's fine, and it was awful that that happened, but now she's getting sued by it. And it was like all this horrible things happening to my grandma made me hit my breaking point. And I confronted my sister, and I just told her how much damage she's done to everybody. And that's when she said that she wanted to kill herself so we can have the life insurance money. And that made me feel like I can't, like I need to be there for her right now. But I don't know if she's manipulating me or if this is a true feeling she's having, which I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't. I think that she does have mental health issues, as do quite a few of my family members do. So, yeah, mm. I just don't know how much I should support her or because I want to forgive her. And I want my family. My mom says it's killing her inside because she's worried our family is going to be broken forever. And I also feel an obligation to my mom to not make her feel this way. Yeah. Um, obviously it's a family member. They're, they're saying this, but like you said, she's been manipulative. She is an alcoholic. She could just mm-hmm. be saying this, uh, to garner sympathy. Uh, it's a horrible thing to, it's a horrible card to pull from the deck to garner sympathy. Yeah. Saying, oh, I'm going to kill myself because you have to take something like that seriously. Even if you think they might be joking or looking at it from a, from a different aspect. Um, you know, to me, I, her punishment should definitely be she needs to pay back 40000 Obviously, it's not going to get all to your grandma probably before she passes unless she ups her payments to five grand a month or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I wish that they could up the payments, but my sister, she's declared bankruptcy twice. Her, She doesn't even own her own car anymore. Like, if she doesn't make payments on her bankruptcy, her car will get possessed. She has... She has an okay job, but she has nothing in her name. So I don't know how she's like, she's even struggling to make a thousand dollars a month. And I think that she's not going to completely. How old is your sister? 
She's 32 years old. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if she doesn't and even it, make $1,000 a month, how are we supposed to pay back a $40,000 debt when she has to live? I mean, she has to yeah. have a car. Have Does she have her own? I know she doesn't own her. Does she have her pay rent at an at a apartment? Um, does she share apartment? She lives with her boyfriend. Okay. So, yeah, she doesn't have any payments besides that and her bankruptcy right now. So I think that she could pay $1,000 a month, but she still has her spending problem. She's still like, I see her posting on her Instagram stories, all the stuff she buys for her cats and she goes to concerts still. And so I think that I've told her, I said, I think you should move back in with mom and dad. I think that you should let your car get possessed. I'll take you to work every day. I'll take you to AA and you can work off your debt slowly. If you do this, you'll eventually be able to like come to family functions again and maybe people will forgive you, but you need to, she's not taking any steps to change. And that's why I'm also having a hard time forgiving her. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry. It's a lot. No, that, I mean, it is a lot. You um, mentioned too that through some of her spending habits, you found out a lot of things about her. Like I know you said, you felt like she was an alcoholic, but were there some other things that were like really worrying you? Um, I know that she does take Adderall and she, it's not prescribed, but most, they, they said on the, like they looked at what she spent and all, most of it wasn't for, I like, we don't know how much it was for that or if she got cash out. So it's hard to tell. And she doesn't all, ever tell me the whole story. And it's hard because my sister, she was in the hospital or she was in the hospital for both of my children being born. She was the one there for me. I got pregnant at 18 and she was there for me when everybody else was ashamed of me. So and even a week before I found out about this, we were talking about how were each other's ride or dies. So that's also why I'm having a hard time completely cutting her out, even though she's toxic and she's done a lot of questionable things like this wasn't the first one but I always thought the things she did weren't hurting any of my family so I did so I let let her off the hook and I regret doing that because I should have seen the signs a long time ago um what what steps do you think like your parents have taken to kind of take control of the situation or are they like, would they be willing to kind of like really step in and like force her into therapy or, um, I mean, this sounds like super aggressive and I don't even know if this would be possible, but I almost feel like mm -hmm. they need to be like file some sort of conservatorship. You know what I mean? Oh, like, I thought they, about that too. I, but I they would have to really, would. yeah, they would have to call into question, like, her mental health. And yeah. with her saying that she will commit suicide and things like that, I mean, that is kind of an option. Yeah. Because that's something, you know, you can't go around saying. And, I mean, if she has these sort of issues in terms of spending and alcoholism, I at some point, someone is going to have to step in for her because this is super destructive behavior. Oh, it is. And she's already at rock bottom. So I feel like this would be the ideal time to do that. Do you know how we would go about doing that? 
Yeah, I've ne- I've only uh, seen what's happened in Hollywood with the the two famous yeah. famous ones yeah. are Britney Spears and Amanda Bynes. Those are the two that have Yeah. Or maybe Amanda Bynes had parents haven't. I know Britney's did that when she went through the head shaving thing and they have Yeah, I think Amanda her. Bynes did too. Did her parents do that too? I, I know it's I thought I it was talking so. about So when she yeah. was doing that Twitter stuff. Yeah. Um Yeah, in terms of how to go about doing it, I don't know how someone does. I mean, I'm sure you could Google it and find out how to file for con. I mean, yeah, I don't want to try and pronounce the word again. What is it? Conservator- <laughs> yeah. Conservatorship. 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 Yeah. Okay. Good job, Steve. Good job. Um. Yeah, and she's she's a menace to herself right now, and and you're in, you're in a tough boat because, like you said, there is a lot going on, and she was. And is your sister, and you don't want to, you know, abandon her and say screw you. Uh, but she did something really, really bad that needs to. She needs to suffer the consequences for. But she's thirty-two years old. She has, like you said, mental health issues. She drinks a lot. Yeah. She's not in a place to where she should probably be on her own. I mean, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think she should make her own decisions anymore. Yeah, or at least until she can show that she's ready to make changes. And I don't think that if you told her, and I, I think you said you suggested moving back with mom and dad. I don't think she's going to be like, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. I mean, obviously she's going to put up. Yeah, and she's it's, something needs to be done where it's she has no option and she has to be forced to do something, and that's probably what we're talking about here with a conservatorship. Um, but. Yeah. How it goes about doing that. I don't I don't know how you do that. Um I'm assuming you have to go to the court. Yeah, does she have to agree to it? Or it's like not she doesn't have a choice. I can't imagine uh, anyone would agree to it. Um Yeah, you know? that's true. Yeah. I think there's two different ones. I know they can happen when you're a minor. And I think the other one has to do with mental health issues. And I think at that point what they're kind of proving is that she can't agree to it. And that's the reason why they're having to step in. So mm-hmm. there are some mental health hurdles that you have to jump through in terms of, I'm sure she would need to be seen by a doctor or someone like that um, to kind of make those diagnoses. Okay. But I, I don't know. Okay. Here's a, here's a quick Google for it. Um, okay. Oh, oh, by the way, someone filed conservatorship against Casey Kasem too. Um, that's what's popping up. Uh, okay, so how do you get a conservatorship? <laughs> it says, how is it set up? Someone interested in the individual's welfare must file a petition in Superior Court, Probate Division, requesting appointment of a guardian or a conservator. Once the petition is reviewed by the Probate Division and accepted for filing, a hearing is scheduled. I mean, that's the seems to be the basic definition of how do you get a conservatorship. So someone has to yeah, go to court we'll and file it, and then I can't imagine she has a say in it. There's no way she, because most people will be like, no, I don't want you. Most people aren't going to agree to like, oh, yeah, I'll have my parents take care of my finances. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. It has to be under some, you know, like you say, going to the court and filing something to where she doesn't have an option. But it looks like a hearing is scheduled. Where she has to go. Yeah. She's going to have to show up for a hearing and prove that, I guess, she doesn't need a conservatorship. But based on everything you told me, I don't see how she wins that case, you know? Yeah, she has no proof that she's competent or able to do anything on her own. Where I think that 
her boyfriend is supporting her a lot, even though he's only been with her since September. So, and she told, she says she told him about the, what she did, but I just don't, I don't know who would stay with someone after finding out that, even though the relationship's so, so new still. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I do need to talk to my parents about that. They're just so defensive because I can't even imagine that happening to like your child doing something like that to someone you love so much. That must be the worst feeling in the world and they haven't handled it the best. And I think that they do need, maybe if I talk to my grandma first and she's the one who discusses it with them because she's the only one that they're listening to at this point, everybody else, she, they get really upset at if they try to talk about it. Yeah. And maybe this would be a good kind of compromise, even with your uncle and your aunt, where they mm-hmm. kind of feel like someone else is stepping in and someone is kind of really taking charge of the situation. Because I think kind of the the big issue here is that, like you said, like your sister is still kind of on the loose and like, mm-hmm. who knows what she could do, even in terms of other family members. Yeah. yeah I think that if they saw that there was at least some kind of, consequence for her actions then maybe they would agree to that instead of pressing charges but yeah i don't know maybe we should do both i i would i would definitely look into do more when we get off the phone here and when you have time i would definitely look into online the conservatorship route because it seems like that would be the best way to go where someone else needs to control everything that comes in to her and I think if she does that, I mean, she has, yeah. she can't keep doing what she's doing if she's under some sort of conservatorship. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I think that would be a good move for her. And that would also not only be helping my grandma and keep this from happening again, but also be helping her because I know deep down that she does have some good in her. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to see with the things that she's done, but I know that she's in there somewhere. And maybe doing something like that would help us get her back. Yeah, because her thought process right now might be to open up a new credit card to pay off the other one. She's robbing Peter to pay Paul, and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And you just don't know what she's capable of on that end, because it seems like that's how she kept getting herself deeper and deeper into credit card debt, is she just kept taking other mm-hmm. taking cash out of other ones to pay other ones off. And just it's a never-ending cycle. Um, it's just... I think that she's at a place right now where she shouldn't be able to make any financial decisions on her own. Family should step in. It doesn't need to be suing her because I think that might send her even into more of a spiral. Yeah, I don't think that would solve the long-term problem. Yeah. So, um, for sure. Please, whatever you do, look into this, and can you update us on and check back with us in a couple months and let us know exactly, um, you know, kind of what – what route your family has chosen to take and just give us an update on, on what's going on whenever uh, there's some new developments in the situation. Yeah, that would be good. I'm look, I need to talk to my family members and get more information and I'll next time we talk, I'll give you um, the answers to some of those questions you asked that I didn't know about. Okay, perfect. Thank you so yeah. much uh, for coming on. I mean, we really guys. appreciate it. Hope it, hope everything works out. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the advice. You got it. Thanks. And you're a good right. sister. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to be, but I also have really mean thoughts about her all day long. Oh, so you have every right to. I mean, she did something pretty awful. I mean, it sucks. So, 
Um, but hang in there yeah. and let us know. Definitely give us an update. Okay. Sounds good. Have a good day. You too. You too. Thanks. Bye. 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 Well, thanks to Emily for that. That's not an easy thing to deal with. I frankly don't even know what she's going to do about this. It's certainly something I definitely want to check back with her in two months. Now I have her information and all my notes now. Um, I want to know what happens because something she needs to be penalized for this. But for someone who doesn't make a lot of money, paying back $40,000 to an 87-year-old woman, it's just like, where are we going with this? You know? I don't I, oof. I really don't know how I could even look at someone the same if they did that to someone. Like, Especially your own sister. Yes. Like you've got a, I mean, you've got a sister. You've got a sister. Let's just say that, yeah. uh, what, let's just say that your sister, you found out your sister stole, it ran up your mom's credit cards. Somehow was able to do it with your mom not noticing. It probably, you know, your mom's not 87, so your mom probably would have stopped this at some point where she saw charges being made that she didn't do. But let's just say it happened. What would be your solution to your, what would you tell your sister? I think I would probably be the person who <laughs> alerted the cops about it. Like, <laughs> I mean, my sister would never do this. Yeah. Definitely would never do this. But I just, the level at which she was conning her grandma yeah. is like, catch me if you can, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, yeah. con artist style. Yeah. Finagling bill statements and stuff like yes. that. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. And almost like, I, I feel like there's some communication that is just not going on in that family. Because if she had been doing it for a year, people had to have noticed that she was purchasing beyond her means. Yeah. Then there's that. But her situation now, I mean, obviously it's over and done with. There's nothing you can do. You can't take it back to the fact that she ripped her grandma off of 40 grand, but. I mean, now I don't know what you do because it sounds like she's, you know, like like uh, Emily said, she drinks. She has had, didn't she say she had mental health issues? She's been. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, she doesn't make, I think Emily said she doesn't even make more than $1,000 a month. So how are you going to pay back 40 if you only make 1000 Like, it's just, just, that would take years and years and years. So. And her grandma doesn't have that time. Yeah, and it just seems like maybe they do do a conservatorship, um, conservatorship uh, deal. I mean, that's really the only way because someone needs to control her funds. And if they if they don't get some sort of conservatorship over her, this isn't getting paid back, and she's probably capable of doing this again. Unfortunately, so well, that's tough. Um, we definitely want to hear from both of them, and if not. I've got their emails, and we I will check in with them in a couple months. So <laughs> that'll do it for episode uh, number 26. Thank you again, Ashley, uh, for doing this. Of course. I'm glad we're back. Yes, we are back, and we'll be back in a couple weeks. If you want to be a part of this, email me or email Ashley. Let us know your situation. Let us know what time zone you're in. Let us know the best times you can record. Download Skype on your phone or on your computer, however you want to do it. That's how we record the phone calls. And you could be part of a future episode, either in a couple weeks for episode 27 
or any future episodes, but we definitely want to uh, bang out uh, a few more episodes since this is our first episode of essentially Peter's season of The Bachelor. So, um, so again, thank you, Ashley, for doing this, and uh, thank you to Elise and Emily uh, for calling in. hope we could help in some sort of way. And, yes, I know you don't – you can't get pregnant by taking a shot in your stomach. I, I get that now. <laughs> That was not one of my finer <laughs> moments. So I think it's one of your finest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess depending on which way you look at it, yeah, it could be one of my finer moments. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. See ya. He's telling me no. He's dragging me down. He's leading me on and stringing away.